welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Good morning, church. My name is Kate Tompkins. I'm the pastor of youth and young adults here at The Well. I'm also usually the host of our Five Minutes of Fun every Sunday morning. And this morning I get to do something else that I really like to do um, and preach to you guys and share from God's word. So I'm really excited about that. As you all know, we're in our All Together Now services for the month of August. And if you've ever, you know, been in our kids' programs when we're all meeting together, which hopefully we'll do again soon, you'll know that we always start our kids' programs off with a little bit of a discussion question. So in such a fashion, I'm going to start us off with a discussion question this morning. Are you ready? Here it is. So what makes you feel capable or strong? And then the second question, actually tricked you, there's two, is what makes you feel incapable or weak? So I'm going to give you two minutes. You can talk to the people around you, or if you're like me, just talk to yourself. And then we'll come back in two minutes, and I'll catch you up on what's next. All right, I wish that I was with you in person, and we could share some of your stories together. For me, um, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that I feel like make me feel capable or strong, but the one that came to mind today was kind of boring. I don't know. You might think so. You might not. But it's basically when I get a lot done in a day. Like if I have a to-do list and I just smash through it all and I get it all done, I'm like, yeah, look at me go. I'm getting so much done. I'm capable. I'm strong. Or maybe some of you said this one that I relate to. Whenever you win at a sport or even if the team you're cheering for wins at a sport, there's something that rises up in us that just makes us feel like, yeah, I'm great. Look at what we did together. This is amazing. And we feel so capable and so strong. Things that make us feel incapable or weak are probably the opposite. For me, it's when I can get nothing done. I feel distracted. Maybe someone said something discouraging to me and I'm just like, whoa, well, they must be right. I can't do anything. Um, Or when you lose at something or can't do something that you thought you could, but you're just, you're either not strong enough or you just can't get through it for some reason. You can't understand a math problem. All these different types of things can make us feel weak. We've all had times in our life when we feel confident and strong and other times when we feel weak. And today we're going to hear one person's story about how their weakness actually became their secret of greatness. I first heard this person's story when I was a young girl and someone gave me their autobiography to read. And I remember reading through this book and feeling equally inspired by their story and just a little bit terrified as well. And you'll find out why in a second. Because our story this morning is the story of a woman named Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny is a leading advocate for people with disabilities across the globe through her ministry, Johnny and Friends. She's written over 40 books, starred in her own biographical movie, uh, survived stage three breast cancer, and has shared the good news of Jesus all across the globe to countless crowds. Thousands, if not millions of people have been inspired and impacted by her story. But what's crazy is that it's not all of Johnny's accomplishments that make her story so great. It's actually something different altogether. Johnny's life started out like probably most of ours had. She was a pretty normal kid. She had a family. She went to school. She played sports. 
And in fact, Johnny was very athletic. She was, as you can see from this picture, a very avid horseback rider. And she also loved to swim and play tennis. Being an athlete kind of defined her life and her identity. Johnny also grew up in a Christian home and she remembered stories of hearing about Jesus through church and reading Bible stories with her family when they went on camping trips together. But God wasn't really super personal uh, for Johnny for most of her life. It wasn't until she was 14 years old when she went on a church retreat that she really kind of experienced God for the first time. Johnny went to the retreat and she felt challenged by the speaker and decided that she really needed God's grace to help get her through life. And so she made a decision to commit her life to God and she went home from that retreat feeling totally on fire and really excited about her new relationship with Jesus. Through high school, so over the next kind of three years, Johnny's enthusiasm for her faith actually began to fade and she got she got caught up in pursuing what you might be familiar with being called the great American dream. Basically, she just wanted to live a good, fun, comfortable, successful life. And so one day, Johnny realized that her faith had become a little bit selfish. Instead of praying prayers to God, worshiping God or for God, she would pray things like, God, please help me to lose weight. Or, God, please help me to get a new boyfriend. Or, God, please help me to get good grades on this test. Things that I'm sure you and I have prayed as well. And then one day she prayed a little bit of a different prayer. She said, Lord, I know I'm not doing this thing right. I'm not doing this Christian thing like you want me to. And I don't want to go off to college and defame your good name or smear your reputation. I know that this life is about far more than just me. And so do something in my life to jerk it right side up because I'm really living this life wrong. Little did Johnny know that that prayer would come true and her life would soon be turned upside down. Check out this video as Johnny herself shares a bit more of her story. Wow, isn't that such an amazing story? I mean, I can just walk off the stage now. I don't really have to say anything more, but I will. Johnny's story speaks for itself. She was paralyzed at age 17, became a quadriplegic, and then during her two years of rehabilitative therapy, Johnny experienced things like anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, and she even seriously doubted her faith. But then over time, as you heard, something amazing happened. Did you catch it? Johnny's only hope was in Jesus. And over time, she was able to see the goodness of God in her situation. What I love about Johnny's story is that she goes from wishing her pain and suffering away to be actually becoming exceedingly grateful for how it's transformed her life and brought her closer to Jesus. Johnny's story reminds me of another person's story, a guy who lived a long time ago called the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you were at day camp two weeks ago, you might remember that I got to teach about the Apostle Paul and his friend Silas on Wednesday of day camp. And we talked about their own experiences of suffering and yet God's amazing power at work in those times. Paul was a guy who got imprisoned, flogged, beaten, scoffed at, stoned even. People hated him and wanted to kill him, all because he was a follower of Jesus. 
But just like Johnny, the Apostle Paul wrote over and over and over again about how his weakness and suffering was actually benefiting him. Wait, what? Is that what this says? Yeah, that's true. He says it was benefiting him. Listen in as we have a bit of scripture that Paul wrote read for us. And today I'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5b to 10. I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe you've heard this scripture before. It sounds pretty inspiring, doesn't it? Maybe you like the idea of God's power being shown through your life. But I kind of wonder, like, God, does it have to be through my weakness? Can it be through some other way? Personally, I'd much prefer to feel confident and capable and strong 100% of the time. I don't want weakness or suffering. In fact, I often feel like those things stop me from experiencing God and being the Christian that I feel like I'm supposed to be. But both Johnny and Paul say that weakness is something we can boast in. And to boast just means to be proud of. I don't know about you, but I'm never particularly proud of my weaknesses. I've been ashamed, yep. Guilty, yep. But proud of them? Delighting in them? No way. And yet I'm so inspired by Johnny and Paul's stories. In fact, all of the stories of greatness that we have learned about for the past month are about people who went through really hard and difficult things. And yet we're so inspired by them, but then so afraid of those kinds of things happening in our own lives. What's with that? So what I've been kind of asking myself for the, over the past month is, how do I get to the place of being able to say, God, I would gladly suffer because I know it leads me closer to you and to others. So what's the secret? What do John, Johnny and Paul know that we don't? How can our own stories of weakness, hardship, or suffering turn out like theirs did? How do we get to where Paul and Johnny are? From our natural human inclination of wanting to avoid suffering altogether to becoming more than okay with weakness, insults, hardships, and difficulties when they come along. Well, as I've learned a lot about Johnny's life, I've watched her videos, read some of her books and her articles, a few things began to stand out to me. Johnny has lots of different secrets of how she's made it through life thus far. 
Um, and some of them are things that you would expect. She has really supportive friends and family. She married a wonderful husband. She's really digged into God's word and into prayer. But there's two other secrets of greatness that Johnny um, has practiced that have made her story one of triumph instead of defeat. And they're secrets that we can see in the Apostle Paul's life too. Do you want to know what they are? Okay, okay, I'll tell you, but they're secrets, right? I'm just kidding. You should share these secrets with anyone and everyone who will listen to you. So here they are. The first one is this. Johnny sees her life through heaven's eyes. What do I mean by this? I mean that Johnny doesn't base her feelings about her life on some of the normal things that most of the world would base them on. Things like money or accomplishments, comfort, pleasure, or even her own personal happiness. Johnny instead has based her feelings about life on what God is doing within her own heart and through her actions to bless others. When Johnny first became paralyzed, she would go for prayer all the time. She would attend any church's healing service, hoping that God would heal her physical body. She wanted to walk and to run again, to play sports, to dance, to draw. She thought that this was the only way that she could be truly happy. And she would say to God, God, I can't live like this forever. You've got to do something. And if you're not going to heal me, then fine. I'm just not going to do this. I'm not going to live this way. And she would spend all her time in bed. She did this for months. Johnny thought that her paralysis was keeping her from living life to the fullest. And she decided that if she couldn't have the healing that she wanted, then she would just stay in bed all day. Until one day, when she was really sad, Johnny finally prayed to God, God, I can't live like this anymore. I'm so lost. Show me how to live. And through reading her Bible and talking with what she calls her heaven-minded friends, Johnny began to realize that God's ultimate desire for her life was to rescue for her from herself and to save her from her sin. She had one good friend named Steve Estes who shared with her one day 10 words that Johnny said changed the course of her entire life. And this is what he said to her. He said, Johnny, sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God allows all sorts of things he doesn't approve of. God hated the torture, injustice, and treason that led to the crucifixion. Yet he permitted it so that the world's worst murder of his only son, Jesus, could become the world's only salvation. God hates spinal cord injury yet he permitted it for the sake of Christ in you as well as in others. These words, that sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves, really changed Johnny's life. And her world began to change as she began to view her life and her quadriplegia through God's eyes. What was God's goal in her life? Was it to make her comfortable or was it to forgive her sin and draw her deeper and deeper into relationship with him? Was it to make um, her personal happiness possible? Or was it to give her a greater purpose of being able to share about the love of Jesus across the globe? And what was Johnny's goal in life? Was it to be able-bodied and to walk? Or was it to glorify God with all she was, weaknesses and all? Johnny says this, she says, 
Nothing more radically altered the way I looked at my suffering than leapfrogging to this end of time vantage point. When God sent a broken neck my way, he blew out the lamps in my life that lit up the here and now and made it so captivating. The dark despair of total and permanent paralysis that followed wasn't much fun, but it sure made heaven come alive. When viewed from below, my paralysis seems like a huge, impassable wall. But when viewed from a heavenly perspective, the wall appears as a thin line, something that can be overcome. Johnny's faith only grew as she looked at her life more and more through heaven's eyes. And with the help of her Bible and heaven-minded friends, she, would a- she was able to see that there was some good coming from her pain. Yes, friends, indeed, Sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves, which is our transformation. So today, Johnny still prays for healing and she will gladly accept it if God wills to give it to her. But she doesn't just pray that so her life will be better. She knows her life is good now and her only goal is that God might get all the glory or hype in her life. Now she understands that hardships are sometimes God's way of helping her mind get on heaven. The second secret of Johnny's life is this. Johnny doesn't suffer alone. Johnny knows that God cares about what has happened to her. He cares about her pain. The Bible tells us in the Psalms that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He has a special place in his heart for the poor, the destitute, widows, orphans, refugees, the disabled and marginalized. That's why he doesn't just tell us to buck up, pull up our bootstraps and soldier on. Nuh-uh. God says, I'm here. I'm going to suffer with you. We know this because first he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Our God himself is a God who suffered. He's not ignorant or um, aloof to how hard it is. He knows that we are frail, we are weak, we are butt dust. And not only do we have such a great savior, but when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he told his disciples that he would give them a new spirit, his Holy Spirit, a new person would come. And this person, God's Holy Spirit, can live in us and strengthen us. He is our helper and our advocate, the one who fights on our behalf. And so even through pain and suffering, when we often feel alone, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can receive the Holy Spirit and know that we are never actually alone. We always have someone we can depend on to strengthen and help us. And this is exactly what Johnny has done throughout her life. Every single day, sometimes every single moment, she prays and asks God to help her get through the day. She knows that she doesn't have it within herself to endure all the pain and accomplish all the tasks that God has given her to do while still smiling and loving other people well. It's hard for you and I on a good day. I can't even imagine doing all of that while being in constant and chronic pain. And so Johnny doesn't do it alone. She depends on God's Holy Spirit. And she does this simply by praying to him all the time, whispering prayers for help and prayers of thanksgiving for the life that God has given her. Friends, it's through our dependence on the Holy Spirit that God's power can also be made perfect in our weakness. 
It can become something that instead of crippling us, maybe we can actually learn to be proud of. I wonder if you've ever heard of um, the ancient Japanese art of kintsugi. It's a practice where you take broken pieces of pottery, so I have one here, and you actually repair them with gold. Now, I didn't have any fancy gold filigree. All I have is some kids' craft glue, so let's hope this works. But I wanted to illustrate for you kind of what happens. So in this Japanese art, they will take a broken piece of pottery, and they don't believe that the brokenness of the pottery makes the pottery any less valuable or useful or anything like that. They actually believe that the brokenness of the pottery can be used to make something new, something maybe even more beautiful. And so just like in the Japanese art, the gold fills these broken filaments where the ceramic used to be broken or on this little <laughs> terracotta pot, the craft glue is showing through and making it into a new work of art. So our brokenness, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to work in us and we become, he becomes one with us, he can create, take our brokenness, the things in our life that maybe we think are useless, not good for anything anymore, damaged, and create something so beautiful out of them. In fact, in this Japanese art of kintsugi, these um, ceramics are worth more after they've been broken and repaired with gold than they ever were before. That's just one picture for you and I about how our weakness, when paired with God's strength, can become something that is more beautiful more powerful than we ever thought possible. When you and I look at our lives through heaven's eyes, and when we depend on the Holy Spirit in our <laughs> moments of weakness, that glue's not as strong as the Holy Spirit. It can highlight the beautiful, gracious, life-changing power of God. In Christ Jesus, our weakness and suffering becomes the vehicle for God's greatest displays of strength. And that's exactly what I see when I look at Johnny's story. When I hear her story, I don't see her weakness or her wheelchair, her disability or her pain. I mean, I notice that they're there, but what really takes hold of me is her perseverance, her faith, her love for God, despite all that she has been through. It's her suffering that has made her story so great. I see something in her life that's worth working towards something that I wish I had. Her story is great, not just because she suffered, but because God has proven to be great in her suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but there's another part of Johnny's story that resonated with me with a lot. Obviously, I'm not a quadriplegic. I've never been in any life-altering accidents, but I too can relate to the 17-year-old Johnny. I found that often my faith has grown quite a bit selfish. And even now, I feel like for too long, I've been praying quite selfish prayers, asking God to make my life easier or more fun or more comfortable or less painful. I've prayed for more strength and less weakness, more victories, less hurdles to get over or to jump over while I get there. And the more comfortable I get, the less I felt a need for God at all. 
And I've started to wonder if my own dislike for pain and suffering might also be keeping me from the kind of closeness with Jesus that Johnny has. Will I be able to ever say that to find Jesus in my hell is ecstasy beyond compare? And would I trade it for any amount of comfort in the world? I want to be able to say that. There's some parts of my life that I'm able to say that in. But right now, I don't think I can look at you in the face and say, yeah, give me all the suffering. I know it'll bring me closer to Jesus. And yet I long for the purpose-filled life that Johnny leads. I long to know Jesus as she does. I long to want to use every ounce of my waking moments to bring glory to God and to minister to those suffering around the world. I long to make an eternal and lasting impact, to leave a legacy I long to see God's power move in my life. And I don't think that suffering's the only way to get there. Like, it's not like we should go out and look for it because that's the only way that we can grow closer to God. I think it's one way and oftentimes a very effective way, but we're not supposed to just go searching for suffering for suffering's sake. And yet I do realize that there is this thing within me that definitely doesn't seek out suffering, but almost rejects it or runs away from it. And so um, sometimes I wonder actually if my rejection of suffering is keeping um, me from experiencing what God desires in my life. When suffering comes in life, and I know it always will inevitably, it's a fact of being a human, (laughs) but when that happens, or if God asks me to give up something for his sake that is a sacrifice or hard to give, Will I be able to learn to respond as Johnny has with gratitude for God's grace, with thanksgiving that I get to know and depend on him more and more because of what I'm going through? I really hope so. And so um, over the past several weeks as I've been learning Johnny's story, I've really felt the Holy Spirit challenging me to pray one simple prayer that I wanna challenge you to pray along with me. And it's this, God, wreck me. Turn my life upside down. I'm going the wrong way. I don't want to be selfish anymore. So do something in my life. I want more purpose, more joy. I want to live an unselfish life. I want my story to display your greatness. And I really hope that it doesn't take a whack load of suffering, but if it does, then even still, God, wreck me. Because what wrecked the Apostle Paul brought glory to God. What wrecked Johnny gave thousands of disabled people an inspiring leader and advocate and a whole lot of free wheelchairs. For you, wrecking might not mean suffering. It might mean that God wrecks your heart. He breaks your heart for what breaks his. It might mean that he breaks your heart for the hurting and the disabled and paralyzed, the poor and destitute. It might mean that he wrecks your heart for all those things that you used to find comfort in, but now you only find comfort in Jesus. Saying God wreck me isn't saying God make me suffer from quadriplegia, though if that happened, he would, you'd be okay. But it is asking God to shift things in your life so that you can be more dependent on him and focused on heaven. It's a scary prayer to pray. It's probably an even scarier prayer for parents to pray for their children. 
I don't know. But for me, to be honest, what's scarier is getting to the end of my life and realizing that I missed it. That because I ran away from hard things, I, in a way, actually ran away from God. The greatest joy that there is in this life. And so wherever you are, wherever you're at in your faith journey, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. God, wreck me. And if you're there, maybe you're already completely wrecked. You're in the thick of suffering. Your life is broken and in pieces. Then pray that God would give you his heavenly perspective in your pain. That his Holy Spirit would be near to you and you would feel him helping you each and every day. Pray that your world would shift and that you would be able to experience the joy, not just in spite of your pain, but actually because of it. Because what Johnny says is true. Knowing Jesus is ecstasy beyond compare. Some of us have forgotten that. Some of us need to be reminded of it or hear it for the very first time. And so my prayer for you is this, wherever you are today, would you be wrecked for God? Would he give you eyes to see your life through heaven's eyes? I pray that you would feel the presence of his Holy Spirit with you wherever you are and that you would cling to him ever so desperately and that you would smile as those little pieces of heaven splash over into your little pieces of hell and you would be reminded that a future awaits you someday where there is no more mourning or suffering or pain but it's just you and Jesus and ecstasy beyond compare. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you um, for Johnny's life and her story and for the Apostle Paul and his story and that it brings to life to us a reality um, of navigating suffering or understanding suffering in a different way. It's something that is really hard to take God and when we're in it, we do wish it away. But I pray that you would help us to be people that are able to find you in it, who are able to seek you out, to build dependence on your Holy Spirit, God, and to experience little bits of heaven in our splashovers of hell. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that um, we don't have to suffer alone and that by your Holy Spirit, you're with us through all things. And I pray that we would be a community, God, that encourages one another in difficult times not to give up, but to search for you, to search for the perspective of heaven, even in the darkest moments. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.